Hello there, John Cotorillo here. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Today I'd like to discuss an ethos that's become quite common in uh, pop psychology and in the media, and it's the ethos of positive self-talk, or turning a, a positive into a negative. And I'd specifically like to discuss the nature of it and some of its flaws that don't seem to be uh, as widely discussed as they should be, and I'd like to propose a slightly different conceptualization of positive self-talk that I believe is more constructive and uh, useful to achieving goals. As per usual, I will uh, make clear that I'm not a mental health professional and if you are experiencing problems with your mental health or any issue for that matter, you should certainly seek professional advice. But I'm hoping that by having this discussion, I can stimulate exchange of ideas amongst all types of people, whether they be professionals or whether they be consumers. First, I'd like to briefly describe the history of positive self-talk. It appears that the ethos of positive self-talk uh, developed mainly from uh, particular frameworks for clinical psychology and counselling, uh, usually ones related to cognitive and behavioural theories of depression. And these particular frameworks, which include uh, theories such as Dr. Albert Ellis's uh, Rational Emotive Behaviour Therapy Framework and uh, Dr. Aaron Beck's Cognitive Therapy for Depression Framework, these frameworks argued that people experience certain uh, symptoms of mental illness, such as uh, symptoms of depression or anxiety, when they have distorted views of the world that translate into irrational thoughts, that is to say, thoughts that are not necessarily based on uh, evidence that is collected by the individual, but rather develop as a result of uh, negative thoughts that the individual never tests, and as a result they become uh, more exaggerated and more distressing for the individual. And many of these theories posit that we should, uh, that the best way to combat these types of thoughts is to look for evidence of those thoughts and use that as a means of arguing that the thoughts may not be true and that there are more reasonable or rational thoughts that we should have. To give an example, uh, this is an example that would have that I would have uh, referenced in one of my earlier videos. Let's argue that a student is depressed because uh, they don't feel that they uh, don't feel that they're performing as well in their studies as their peers, and they are beginning to believe that because they're not performing as well that they're not going to pass their course and because they're not going to pass their course that they're not going to have the career they wanted and as a result of that they're going to be miserable for the rest of their lives. A, a way to counteract those particular thoughts according to these frameworks would be to uh, teach the individual to ask uh, exactly what evidence they have to support these ideas. So, for example, the individual might say, well, other people answer more questions in class and other people seem to, uh, other people seem to be more prepared when it comes to writing their assignments. So we would then question further and ask, okay, have you seen other people answer more questions in class? And they might say, yes. Okay, on this basis, is that inherently, is that uh, an inherent indicator that the individuals are performing better than you are. Simply because they ask more questions, that doesn't inherently indicate that they, uh, that, that they are that they are performing better. They 
it's, it's perfectly possible that the individual doesn't need to ask as many questions because they understand the content or it's perfectly possible that they are more engaged but not necessarily producing uh, any better outcomes. And when it comes to the idea that the individual might not be as well prepared for their assignments, the question to ask would be what evidence there is for that. Uh, has the, this person seen how well prepared other people are? Have they spoke to them about how they're approaching their assignments and have they analysed this against the requirements of the assignments themselves? And the, uh, the intended outcome would be that the individual learns to uh, recognise these exaggerated beliefs when they take place and then question them so that they don't have a chance to develop into the exaggerated and distressing thoughts that they experience. But then to counteract them with, uh, with more rational thoughts, as they're called. For example, uh, if an individual sees that their peers are asking more questions in class, they might say, well, I can ask questions too, and maybe, uh, maybe, maybe those individuals need more help than I do. Uh, or they could very well remind themselves that they don't get to see how well prepared that their peers are with regards to their assignments. Now this approach in and of itself is quite constructive and has quite a lot of potential as has been demonstrated by numerous studies over the years. The issue that we now face however is that a lot of these ideas have essentially morphed into something quite different, into the broad generalisation of positive self-talk. And these ideas you will often see reflected in a variety of media. A variety of different people may reference the idea that you must speak positively to yourself, that you must be kind to yourself in order to counteract those negative thoughts because those negative thoughts often aren't based on evidence. Now, again, in and of itself, this is not inherently bad. The problem that is not often mentioned as far as I can tell is that these broad generalizations create the impression that our negative thoughts are always distorted, that they're never grounded in reality. They assume that the situations about which we're thinking are always desirable and that we're not just, we're just not seeing the desirable aspect of them. If we take these approaches too literally, we'll essentially be led to naively believe that if we believe a situation is bad, it's only because we think it's bad. And if we simply think about it in a more positive manner, that it's not going to, then it's not going to affect us as much and that the, the situation itself will actually become objectively more positive. And in and of itself, to see the, the world in that way, that the situation can always be positive and that it's simply a matter of thinking differently to solve problems is actually complacent and uh, poses a risk to us. The reason that these ideas tend to propagate so readily is because they are quite uh, philosophically attractive. Uh, they can appear, especially to individuals who may not read them as often and encounter them for the first time, they can appear quite philosophically profound. And if an individual is particularly suggestible, they can lead the individual to believe that they've just discovered something quite profound and that they simply weren't seeing the world in the correct manner beforehand, but that this has enlightened them. Sometimes a situation can be objectively negative and quite uh, quite dangerous for the individual or a, a reason to be, they, an individual might have a reason to be upset over a situation. The real problem with negative self-talk and exaggerated beliefs isn't that they uh, make the individual feel uncomfortable, that's certainly a problem and certainly, uh, certainly a reason to address them, but they don't command action, they don't 
provide us with any basis to actually change the situation if we are capable of doing so. So I propose that instead of making the generalization that positive self-talk is the antidote to negative self-talk, we should be promoting rational or constructive self-talk as the antidote. Now I conceptualize rational or constructive self-talk as a result of trying to analyze a situation based on them, the, the most simple basic facts that can be found about it and then using those to attempt to formulate a solution to a particular problem. And if one uses this approach as the generalization rather than, uh, rather than positive self-talk, they'll find that the approach allows them in every situation first to test whether or not the situation itself is inherently negative or whether it's simply a result of how they perceive it. But because of that analysis, if the individual finds that there is a problem there that needs solving, it will then lead them to want to find a solution because only then will they eliminate the cause of the problem. Positive self-talk may eliminate the feeling associated with the problem if there is indeed a problem existing, but it doesn't eliminate the problem itself. Only, only solutions-focused thinking can do that. So to use the example from earlier, let's say a university student is concerned about their performance in their class and they have various thoughts that they believe indicate that they're not performing as well as their peers. If uh, one of the thoughts is that other, that other of their peers ask more questions than they do, then the constructive antidote to that in the form of self-talk would be to ask themselves, why aren't I asking as many questions? And then they can act accordingly. For example, if they don't feel as engaged with the content, then they can set themselves a goal. For example, after every, uh, for example, in each lecture, take detailed notes, and then if there's time for discussion at the end of the class on the topic, um, aim to be able to make one contribution on the topic or ask at least one question, even if they don't necessarily feel it's especially profound intellectually. Or for example, if one of their thoughts is that other students are better prepared for their assignments than they are, they may ask themselves if there's any evidence for that and then also, on, in addition, um, search for evidence of how well prepared they are. So if there are any uh, flaws in their preparation, they can then take action to counteract that by, for example, asking for help or seeking assistance with their time management or organisation, for example. This process does require sound judgement and that's something that can only be developed with experience. But it is a universal and objective good to be focused on solutions, focused on finding ways to interact with the world to make it a better place, both for ourselves and for other people. And by avoiding generalizations and learning to think critically about situations, then we can not only become more effective thinkers, but we can also learn to counteract our own problems more effectively. Thank you for joining me today for this episode. As per usual, if you are experiencing concerns about any aspect of your health or any issue in life, please seek uh, professional assistance. I would welcome comments from all people, whether they be professionals, whether they be consumers, whether they be otherwise. Let's start a discussion of ideas, let's exchange information, and let's learn about the world together. Until next time, take care.